Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. And as one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. This is an important fact. It wasn't even one of the ones that was a Hebrew. It was a Samaritan, an outsider that felt that thankfulness. And Jesus answering said, where were not, sorry, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I want to talk to you this morning on the very simple subject, thankfulness. Thankfulness. When I was going to make a slide... I thought of all different things, but thankfulness is very straightforward. Just plain thankfulness will change your life. Let's pray one more time. Jesus, I thank you today. Thank you, Lord. And I ask that your presence would continue to move and minister in this place. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Well, this week we celebrated Thanksgiving. Ate too much, took naps. (laughs) But Thanksgiving is an underrated holiday because it is a time when we as a nation stop to thank God for all that he has given us. I have a tradition every Thanksgiving. I text all my Canadian ministers together and say, Happy Real Thanksgiving. Because the Canadians celebrate it in October. But it doesn't matter whether it's Canadian Thanksgiving or American Thanksgiving. There's something wonderful about a people in this postmodern culture where we don't know up from down and people don't even know whether they're male or female. And it's constant turn, we still pause. I saw someone say it's the only secular holiday. Baloney, it's thankfulness to God. <laughs> it is the entire premise. And it's something remarkable that we as a nation still, there is a pause where we just stop to say we're thankful. Thankfulness in our day-to-day lives seems to be a thing of the past for many people. 
It seems like many are never thankful for what they have, but instead are always longing for what they want next. But thankfulness, thankfulness to God that is, is where wholeness begins. If you want to find wholeness, it starts with thankfulness to God Almighty. And so I want to pause before I go on with the rest and just say a few things that I'm thankful for this morning. I'm thankful not only for the Holy Ghost and having a wonderful church family. I'm thankful today that when I was in a bad way, I'm not one that sees visions very often. In fact, it is extremely rare. But I was in a bad way and the Lord showed me a vision as clear as I'm looking at you. And I saw a new church building and I saw it filled with all the people I saw there faces they I didn't know them they were just I saw them all and I saw who would be my wife two years before I met her picked me up when I was in a bad way and then I'm thankful because after our son was born we were driving and we were in the middle of nowhere we were 40 minutes in any direction from help and my son had been exposed to whooping cough and we were driving down the highway and parents if you've ever heard a child whoop you know the fear that strikes and we heard that distinctive whoop from the back seat and we pulled over the side of the highway and Clark was turning blue couldn't breathe, couldn't get him to breathe. We tried blowing on his face, tried rubbing him. He wasn't. And called Bishop Ellis. I didn't want to terrify my grandfather, our bishop. I called Bishop Ellis. He said, put me on speakerphone. And I did. And he prayed the prayer of faith. And instantaneously, Clark's color returned. And his, his breathing went back to normal. I'm thankful. When Magnolia was just the day before she was supposed to be born, she stopped moving in my wife's womb and panic set in and fear. And my wife tried everything to get that baby to move. And we, she was not moving. She couldn't feel her. She pushed on her stomach. She tried every trick in the book. We grabbed our bags, decided we had to go to the hospital. But before we walked out the door, I started thinking about all the things that I had seen Jesus do before. And I pointed my, my finger at Caitlin's stomach and said, I command you to move in the name of Jesus. And when I did, she literally kicked my finger so hard that it pushed my hand back I'm thankful that when my wife was dying in the hospital and month after month we went from doctor to doctor she had I believe it was nine ultrasounds and they kept telling her all through the pregnancy with Clark that she was having Braxton Hicks contractions we were in the emergency room every few weeks and then Clark was born and the pain started up again and I've heard people in pain and I've been in a lot of bad emergency room situations but in all my life I never heard someone scream with such ferocity and just I've never heard anything like it hysterical pain my wife doubled over, couldn't stand, and we went into the emergency room yet again. And yet again, the doctors didn't know what was going on. And I prayed and I asked the Lord that he would do something. And all of a sudden, a guy come in pushing a mop. He started wiping down stuff, mopping the floor. He said, what seems to be the problem? And I did so out of it and so just covered with pain I didn't I didn't care that he was just a janitor just the orderly cleaning up the room I just started spilling my guts to the guy from beginning to end everything that went through he said 
It's her gallbladder. Tell him to check it. And he mopped it. He went back out the room. I don't know how many orderlies at Altman Hospital specialize in gallbladders and pancreases. But the doctors came back in. I said, I think it's her gallbladder. Will you check it? The doctor said, you know what? That's not a bad idea. We'll check it. <laughs> and sure enough, the gallstones had worked their way down into my wife's pancreas. And was one was in the liver tube about to enter her liver. The surgeon told me afterwards that she was just a few hours from dying. And I don't know what you believe, but I believe with all my heart, God sent an angel dressed as an orderly to walk into that room and give us the answer where the doctors didn't have the answer. I'm thankful today because time after time when there was absolutely no way for me to make it through to the next morning, time after time when everything I loved in this world was slipping through my fingers, I've watched Jesus step in and make a way when there was no way. I've watched Jesus send an answer when there was no answer from man's dominion. I'm thankful because every time I didn't know what to do, I begin to remind Jesus of all the things that I've seen him do in the past. And that thankfulness began to well up inside of me. And all of the sudden, a boldness in a faith I didn't feel before began to emanate from my lips. I want to tell you this morning, there's power in thankfulness. There's power in thankfulness. There's wholeness in in thankfulness. Jesus was traveling along the border that runs between Samaria and Galilee. And as he does, he walks into a town. But before he can go through its gates, there is a group of men standing at a distance. And they begin to shout at him, Jesus! Master! Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. This group is very unusual. Their clothes are ratty and torn. Their bodies emaciated, thin and frail. And if that's not bad enough, when you look closer at them, you realize something terrible is wrong. There are open wounds all over their faces, hands, and arms. Fingers and toes are missing. They are lepers. Leprosy is a terrible disease. The skin begins to thicken and discolor. Lesions begin to form Painful sores begin to open up on the hands and feet. Then the eyes begin to be effective, affected, and lepers can become blind by the disease. Some are crippled, unable to ever walk again. And the virus, the disease, it continues to spread and grow. And numbness sets in. You know, leprosy is a type of sin. Not that lepers are sinners. 
but it is used as a typology for sin. And it's amazing. Not only does it cause a marring effect, but it causes a numbness. And it spreads until a leper cannot feel even the red-hot pan taken from an oven or the piercing of the skin from a blade. And so as a result, lepers tend to be covered in wounds of their own infliction. But the disease that caused them to be wounded in the first place keeps them from healing properly, and thus the limbs begin to be lost. And then at the later stages, a very strange thing begins to happen. As the wounds fail to heal, the body actually begins to reabsorb the fingers and the toes. It actually absorbs them back into the palm of the hand until the fingers are completely gone. It is a horrible, disfiguring disease. And this is what these ten men are afflicted with. These ten poor, suffering souls. Not only are they scarred and tortured by this hideous disease, they are outcast from society, unable to see their families and friends, forbidden from entering even into the town. They are forced to live in exile. And if someone were to accidentally come too close to them, they've got to scream out, unclean, unclean, unclean trying to warn the person of their disease. But one day, as they sit far away from the gate, crying out at a distance, begging people to throw a few scraps of food their way, they see Jesus. And when they see him, they begin to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, we need your help. Jesus, we need you to save us. And Jesus turns to look at them. And as he looks at these ten pitiful men, he tells them, go Show yourself to the priest. You see, the priest was the only one that could declare a leper had been cured and give them the ability to return to their families. It was only the priest that could issue them a bill of clean health. It was only the priest that could say, you're able to go back. You don't have to live in exile anymore. And Jesus told these men, go show yourself the priest and all ten of them take off running and as they run they begin to look down at their hands and their feet 
All of the sudden, the wounds are closing up. There's no more bleeding. There's no more open sores. And they are running as fast as their legs will carry them to the nearest synagogue. There are multiple things you got to realize here. One, that some of them were probably blind and had to lead the other, be led by the others. Others were probably crippled and had to hobble as fast as they could to the nearest synagogue. But the two most important things that you got to realize from this wonderful event that took place, that these men are going to go get to see their families again. They're going home. They're going to be with loved ones. They're going to sleep in a house for the first time in maybe years or decades instead of being out in the wilderness it is beyond wonderful. It is a dream come true. Beyond their wildest imaginations. They're getting to go home. Second thing you need to realize is even after Jesus healed them, there are scars that are still there. Fingers and toes are still missing. The face is still disfigured. And doubtless there are still a few blind eyes in the group. And some are still limping terribly. But they're not lepers anymore. And they're going to get to go home. There's still scars. There's still marks. There's still things missing from them. They're still disfigured. But they're getting to go home. And these ten men are running and leaping as best they could, trying to get to the priest as fast as they can. But as they're running and watching the wounds close, one of the men stops. A Samaritan, an outcast among outcasts. No one liked the Samaritans. No one liked the Samaritans because they were half Jewish. So the Gentiles didn't like them because they were part Jewish and the Jews didn't like them because they were only part Jewish. They were the lowest of the low in society. They were outcasts. And the Samaritan, the outsider of the outsiders, looks down at his now closed wounds. There's bleeding has stopped. The oozing is gone. The marks on his body are scarred over. And he realizes something. I'm going to go home. I'm going to see my family again. I'm getting my life back. And while the others keep running, he stands there, overcome, with thankfulness until he turns and it says with a loud voice he began to scream thank you thank you thank you and ran back and dove at the feet of Jesus worshiping him crying out over and over and over again thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus I don't know how long it goes on, but eventually Jesus interrupts him and asks the man a question. Weren't there ten of you? Uh, yes, Lord, there were 
others. Um, I, I don't know, Jesus, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you for healing me. And Jesus looks down at this wounded and scarred man and speaks to him the most wonderful of sentences. Jesus says, thy faith has made you whole. You got to understand, he's already been healed. Jesus has already touched his life. But the scars were still there. The limp was still there. The damage to his vision was still there. But when he came back to worship Jesus, when thankfulness caused him to stay around while others went back to their old lives, it was that thankfulness that made him whole. When Jesus said, you are whole, the leper looked down and the fingers had come back. The vision was cleared. The scars were gone. His toes returned. He didn't limp anymore. It was if he was never a leper. Jesus made him whole. It was as if it never even happened. And I want you to know today that there is no substitute for thankfulness because thankfulness is what leads to wholeness. I have seen thousands of people over the years receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I have watched as too many walk right back out the door so happy about what has happened to them that they just run right back to the busy lies that they've been leading. Happy that the guilt and shame are gone. But the scars are still there. The wounds of the past are still there. Their vision is still limited. But I have also watched that those that were so thankful for what had happened to them, that they stayed around. They got closer to Jesus because they were so thankful for what he has done for them. And I watched over and over again that those who were thankful and stuck around in the presence of Jesus, and I've watched as the Lord has made them whole. Emotional scars begin to fade. Wounds of their past begin to vanish. They don't walk like they used to walk. They don't talk like they used to talk. Their vision begins to change until they can see a new future, something they were never able to see before, until one day it's as if they were never even lost. 
people walk in and they don't realize, they say, oh, I can't live that way. They don't realize when they walk through the doors how many people here were alcoholics at one point. They don't realize how many people here's marriages were falling apart at one point. They don't realize some were behind jail bars. Others' lives were full of hate and anger and bitterness. But Jesus came and he changed us and he began to heal and thankfulness caused us to stay around until it was if that past never even existed. Thankfulness led to wholeness. But the opposite is true, my friend. And here is where I veer off my notes. Elisha was the servant of Elijah. He left everything behind. Killed the oxen, burned up the plow, left it all behind to follow after Elijah. And it was Elisha's desire for the things of God. Elisha's thankfulness to be able to walk into this realm of the prophetic. Be closer to God than most people were ever invited to be. That caused him to stay around and pick up the mantle of his mentor, Elijah. But Elisha has a young man that he begins to mentor. His name is Gehazi. And Gehazi sees so many miracles. Gehazi sees fire called down from heaven. Gehazi sees the dead raised. Gehazi sees axe heads swim. Waters purified. Gehazi sees miracle after miracle. And not only that, but he gets to hear about all the things Elijah did to him. He sees miracle after miracle transpire. But one day, a leper named Naaman shows up at Elisha's house. Servant girl, an Israelite slave, working for the Syrians, tells her master Naaman about the great prophet Elisha. And the general goes to see him. Elisha doesn't even walk out the door. He sends Gehazi. said, my master wants to know what you want. So I want to be healed. Okay, my master says, go dip seven times in the Jordan and you're going to be healed. You won't be a leper no more. There's a lot to the story. Naaman gets mad. He wanted to see Elisha face to face. Do you realize Gehazi's the one that got to deliver the message? Gehazi's the one that got to instruct Naaman in how to be healed. But Naaman's servants prevail. He must have been some kind of man that even his slaves and his servants cared about him. And they convince him to obey the man of God. And so Naaman goes and he dips in the river Jordan. He wasn't cleansed after the first time. And he wasn't cleansed after the sixth time. 
That's important, but it's a lesson for another day. But after the seventh time, when he followed all the instructions, he came up out of that water, and he is completely healed. Every trace of his leprosy is gone until the Bible says his skin was like a newborn baby's. His skin is pink and soft. Even the calluses on his hands are gone and the scars from his great battles in the past are gone. His skin is new from head to toe. And Naaman returns and he has literal wagon loads of gold and silver and clothes. And he brings it back to give to Elisha. And Elisha refuses it. He said, just go on home. And Naaman turns and starts heading back to his grand house. And Gehazi is sitting there in that humble prophet's abode. Instead of being thankful for the miracle that he's just seen, instead of being thankful to get to experience the power of God firsthand, instead of being thankful to be privileged to be a part of the things of God, Gehazi begins to think, boy, why did he say no to that? You know what I could do if I had that gold? You know what I could do? Well, he's figuring out what his share of the profits would be until he convinces himself that it's justified. And he runs and he finds Naaman. Runs, it says he picks up his robes and he runs as fast as he can, booking it towards Naaman's chariot. And he catches up after a while. And he gets there. <laughs> Naaman says, what do you want? Master said a couple guys are coming. And can we have some gold and some clothes for him? Lying. Lying. Unthankfulness led to greed. Greed led to lies. And Naaman's more than happy to give it. Said, take more. Take more. Take it. Happily take it. And Gehazi brings it back into the prophet's house, hides it, walks down, say, Elisha, what you want to do for dinner? How's it hanging? (laughs) Elisha said, is this a time to buy a bigger house? Is this the time to buy bigger fields? Is this the time for us to worry about getting rich? My heart was with you when you ran back to Naaman. You know what happened? Naaman's leprosy came on Gehazi. Naaman's leprosy came on him and he looked down 
as his hands began to turn white. And then up his arms it ran and sores began to open. And all his days were spent as a leper. And it started because Gehazi wasn't thankful for what God had given him. Do you realize that Elisha served Elijah and got twice the anointing and twice the miracles? That means that Gehazi, if he'd have just been thankful for the privilege, Gehazi could have had four times the miracles, four times the power, and four times the anointing that Elijah had if he just would have been thankful for what God had done. But his unthankfulness led him to a life of empty brokenness. And being unthankful has the exact opposite effect of what being thankful does. Because being thankful leads you to more. Being thankful leads you to greater blessings, leads you to greater miracles, leads you to greater favor with God, and most importantly, being grateful, being thankful leads you to a life of wholeness. There is power in being thankful. There is power in being thankful. Don't look around and talk about the things you don't have. Why don't you look around and start thanking Jesus for everything he's done for you. Because I'm telling you, my friend, thankfulness will lead you to your next miracle. Thankfulness will lead you to a life of wholeness. Thankfulness will lead you to a place until it's as if your past never even happened. I've watched it time and time again in my own life. When I begin to thank God for what he's already done, he begins to open the door into the next thing. Do you ever give somebody something and it's just clear <laughs> they didn't appreciate it? Now, how much are you wanting to give them something again? The Calhouns are the missionaries to the Netherlands, about our closest friends in the world. And we have a tradition when they're in town, we just go sit at Steak and Shake until our backs won't take those rough seats anymore because they're open all night. And they brought Clark a fistful of quarters because the time before he wanted quarters for the claw machine and they gave him $20 worth of quarters. And he freaked out. <laughs> he said, you guys are awesome. And was hugging him and thanking him. And so now every time we're with him, there's fistfuls of quarters coming out. <laughs> Because he was thankful and it made him want to do more. You know where our emotions come from? They come from Jesus. 
And I'm telling you, Jesus is just the same way. When you are thankful for what he's done, it makes him want to bless you again. Until it's the point, Job, and everything around him is gone. He just said, I'm thankful that when the skin worms eat my body, in my flesh, I'm going to see God. Until God said, I can't take it no more. Here's double. Here's double, Job. Here's twice what you had before. There is power in being thankful. There's power in being thankful. I am so thankful today because I have been filled with the Spirit of God. You know how wonderful the Holy Ghost is? We take it for such granted. Jesus lives inside of you. Jesus loves you so much that when you were baptized in his name, he adopted you and made you his son and made you his daughter. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful because he's done so very much for me. Stand with me. Say, what about the times when things aren't going so good? Oh, I've been there. I've been there. I've said it before, I say, I stood in the hall at the emergency room, my wife dying, my child gone. And I cried until I looked down and I was literally standing in a puddle of my own tears. And it's not an exaggeration, I was standing in a puddle of my own tears. I didn't know a body could produce that many tears. But in times of great distress, the same thing always happens. I hear a voice. And it's always humming or singing the same song. And it always takes me a while to figure out it's coming from me. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for the things he has done. With his blood, he has saved me. With his power, he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things that he has done. In the times of the greatest despair of my life, times when I did not think my heart could contain the grief that I was feeling, times that were so bad I've only told about three people ever exactly what transpired it was too horrible to repeat something deep down inside of me begin to cry out I believe and I'm thankful I'm thankful I know he loves me and I've watched his time and time again Jesus made a way the doctor said there was no way, but Jesus made a way. Oh, the adoption agency said there was no way, but Jesus made a way. The bank said there was no way, but Jesus made a way. There's power in thankfulness. There's power.
I didn't know what the choir was going to sing today, but I think they were led of the Holy Ghost. I thank God. I thank God. I thank God. I thank God. There is power in thankfulness. There is power in thankfulness. I think about it all the time, and I promise I'm almost done. When I ask the Lord, and I tell him the things that I want to see him do, and I remind him of the promises that he's made me, I think of something. I've heard the audible voice of God. And there's people that are far more anointed than I, have done far greater things for God than I could ever dream of doing. And they never got to hear his voice. But I heard his voice one day. I heard it. It wasn't in my mind. It wasn't in my heart. I heard the voice of God with my own ears. And while there's so much further that I want to go in Jesus, I thank God that he loves me so much that he would talk to me. And I don't care how much further you want to go in God. Think about the fact that when you pray and you begin to speak in tongues, Jesus is opening up your mouth and Jesus Christ himself is speaking through you. You ought to be thankful today. There is power in this house. There's power in this house. Oh, come on, lift your voice with me right now. I just want you to begin to cry out, thank you, thank you, thank you.